Lord God, we just, uh, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you um, for just the opportunity to gather together this morning. And Lord, uh, we bring you this time. We recognize that you are good, that you are great, uh, and we can't even start to say that enough. Um, but even in all that goodness and all that greatness, uh, we stand approved, loved, accepted, and embraced um, in all of what is our mess. And so we just say thank you for that, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your embrace. And we just give you this time together this morning. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go ahead and grab a seat, guys. Uh, Good morning to everybody. It is Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to everybody, to all your moms, all you you moms out there, and to all your moms uh, as well. I I said that, but I didn't mean to, but I did. All right. Um, And I think that's probably the last time I'm going to mention Mother's Day today. So happy Mother's Day. There's your happy Mother's Day. Um, Not because moms aren't important, that's just not the direction the scripture went this morning. And so uh, we'll say happy Mother's Day. Actually, that's not the last time because at the end of service, we got a little gift for you, uh, for all of you ladies that are of uh, age. There's a, we got a candle or uh, uh, some Burt's Bees. You get to choose which. So we'll send you on out with that. But um, we're excited about this morning. I'm excited about this morning. Um, we are starting a new series this morning. And uh, it's on the, uh, the letter of First John, okay? And we're going to be there for quite a while. Uh, I don't really know how many weeks we're going to be doing First John, but I want to explore this, and, and I really want to get into it and see what it has to say for us as, uh, as believers. Um, before we get to the scripture, I want to point out that uh, the guy who wrote this is the very same guy that wrote the Gospel of John, right? And the second and third letters of John. So it's the same guy. Um, and the reason that's important to note or to, to know is that as you read, you're gonna see some themes and you're gonna go, wait, that language might sound familiar to me, right? So the phrasing that John uses in this letter of, the gospel, or of, of 1 John is similar to the phrasing that he uses in the Gospel of John. And that's really pretty natural for humans, right? If you're around somebody for long enough, they start to kind of tell you the same stories or use the same language or tell you the same jokes, right? Uh, Especially dads, we use the same jokes over and over again. Um, But you know what I mean? Like it's it's common. We just kind of use the same phrasing and that's what John does. And uh, and so we're gonna explore some of those themes. And I say that as a warning because we're gonna be jumping back and forth from 1 John to the Gospel of John. And that can be confusing. Um, so if, if you want to open your Bibles, you can open them to 1 John, but then also open it to John, the Gospel of John, and stick your finger in there because we're going to be flipping back and forth a lot this morning, okay? Um, one of the things that you'll notice, one of the themes that John uses is dark and light or light and dark, okay? Um, he also uses the theme of life or the word of life. You'll see that. Those words are really important to John. And you can see that when you look at the numbers of times he uses them. So in the gospel of John, he writes the word zoe or life. That's Greek for life. 32 times. That's in his gospel. And the other three gospels combined, they use it 16 times combined, right? So John uses that word twice as much as the others do combined. So it's, important, it's an important word for him. It's an important theme. Same thing with light. He uses that word 16 times in his gospel alone. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke use that word 13 times combined. 
So it's important, right? So we're going to pay attention to those things. Um, and, and we're going to see those things come out pretty soon or pretty quickly as we get into this letter. Now, I'm going to start. There's a lot of scripture this morning, okay? Um, and, it's, and we're going to read it once and then we'll read it again and then we'll go back and it'll come back to it and all that stuff. So we're going to start with 1 John and uh, we're going to read the first four verses. So see if you can catch what this guy is trying to say here, all right? So 1 John, starting with verse one, and it says this. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life that was revealed And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard and we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you, excuse me, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Now I'll just be honest. When I read that, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) John, what in the world? Are you right? What are you talking about? If you look at it, the first three verses of that are one sentence. Just, he just one run on sentence. And he kind of keeps going back and he's interrupting himself. He's like, um, I want to write these things. Oh, oh, by the way, I am writing these things. And these are the things that I'm writing. Oh, and don't forget, I'm writing these things to you so that it's just like he kind of keeps going back and interrupting himself. So it's difficult. So I want to read it again. And then I want to kind of see if we can straighten out some of the knots that we tend to get ourselves in as we look at this. So Put it up there again, 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4. He says this, What was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was revealed, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. All right. It's still kind of in knots, right? It's still kind of in tangles, but you can start to see kind of what he's getting at. So what I did was I sat down and I said, okay, what what, what are you writing, John? And so I took all these things. I think I've got everything that he included in this first part, but I kind of wrote it out. Now, I'm not rewriting scripture, but I'm just writing it out so that maybe we can understand kind of what he's getting at here. So he writes this. We write, that's the apostles, okay? We write and proclaim to you what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life that was from the beginning. In other words, God. What we know of God through Jesus Christ, okay? This life that is the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us, we proclaim to you so that you might have fellowship with us as we have fellowship with the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. We write these things so that our joy may be made complete. Does that straighten it out at all? Like it starts to take out some of those knots a little bit. And I would invite you to go back and read it again, right? Always go back and look at the scripture again and see what you see there. But when you break it down, what John is writing is very simple, okay? When you break it down, he's basically saying, we've seen Jesus. We know this guy. We touched him. We are eyewitnesses to everything that he did and to everything that he said. We heard it. We were there, okay? He's God. He was with God. He was with God from the very beginning. We were eyewitnesses. And in him is life. 
And that life was revealed to us. And now we want to share it with you, okay? We want to share with you this life, life so that, in order, so that you might have fellowship with us as we have fellowship with Jesus and with the Father, okay? That's really important because it's not just an introduction. An introduction is there because it tells you something. An introduction says, here's why I'm writing, okay? I am writing so that, I wanna share this stuff with you so that you can have fellowship with God and with us. That's why he's writing, okay? That's really important because the context of the rest of this letter comes back to that, okay? It always comes back to that. So the point of this letter is this, to proclaim together with the apostles, with the other apostles, John is writing what they have seen and know from Jesus in order that these people may have fellowship with them, the apostles, and with God. That's the point of this letter. So we're gonna look at this letter in that understanding. That's why he is writing. We're writing about what we know so that you can know and you can have fellowship with God and with us and we can have fellowship together and all of that, okay? And so then he continues and he says, okay, this is why I'm writing. Now, here's the message, okay? So First John verse five, one verse five, he says, this is the message. So here's the meat, okay? This is the message we have, that we have heard from him and we announce to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation, and that just means the, the atonement, the substitution, the covering of us, the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. All right. So now we get to the meat, okay? He writes, this is why I'm writing it to you. So now here is the message that I wanna give to you. And he starts with this, God is light. Pause there. We gotta, we gotta pause there, okay? We're gonna take this slowly. God is light. God is light. This is one of those themes that John uses in the gospel of John, and he uses it in this, in this letter um, in First uh, John. So we'll go to the gospel of John. We're gonna figure out because we gotta know what this means. Otherwise, oh, the rest of the letter is out of whack for us, okay? So we gotta know what he means by God is light. So in John, in the gospel of John, he starts off with, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Again, that's another one of those themes, the word of life. Um, but then he gets to verse four and he says this, in him was life and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not grasp it. Skip down to verse nine. This was the true light that 
that coming into the world enlightens every person. Okay, so 1 John, this is the message we've understood. God is light and there is no darkness in him. The gospel of John, he is the light of man, okay? The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not grasp it, didn't understand it, didn't comprehend it, however you wanna understand that phrase. And this is the true light that enlightens every person. Light and dark, okay? It's one of those themes. Now, when we hear the terms light and dark, immediately our brains go to good versus evil, right? Light versus dark, hero versus villain. That's where our brains go to. It's, it's the light, the, light the, the, the darkness couldn't comprehend it, couldn't overcome it, the, the, the light overcame the dark, all of those things. Okay, we go, that's where our mind goes to these themes of light and dark. But I believe that's a Western understanding of light and dark. John's not Western, John's Hebrew. So John has a specific thing in mind when he's writing this light and dark stuff, this imagery. And you can go to other Hebrew writings, the Old Testament, to look at this and maybe see what is going on, what, what John is trying to put out there for us. So Psalm 36, verse nine, for the fountain of life is with you. You're, in your light, we see light. Okay, kind of gets a little bit of a, a thing going for us. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Gets a little bit of a different description there. Isaiah 9, 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. I think when you look at these kind of scriptures, you're starting to see, you know what? This Hebrew understanding of light and dark is not a, a good and evil kind of an understanding. This understanding of light and dark has to do with illuminating versus concealing, okay? Uncovering versus hiding. You see, you see where we're going with this? The people who walk in, in darkness, they can't see where they're going. They're walking in darkness. They see a great light. All of a sudden, there's something that's going to show them the way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light to my path. It shows my path. It reveals the way that I should be walking, okay? So you see this, this illumination, this idea of, of revealing versus covering. God is light, that, that passage from Isaiah is a prophetic passage about Jesus. He's gonna reveal things when he comes. People are walking in darkness. They can't see the way, they don't understand. They're hiding, they're, but he is gonna come and he's gonna reveal the truth of things. So what does that mean for our understanding of First John, of this letter from First John, as we try and figure out what he's talking about? Well, John says God is light, revealing. There is no darkness in him. He's light. In other words, everything is revealed in him. Everything is exposed. Everything is uncovered. There is no darkness in him, okay? There is no hiding in him. In God, everything is revealed. You might say light in this understanding equals truth or it equals reality, the way things really are. Light reveals it to be as it is, okay? Nothing can be concealed, nothing can be hidden. There is no darkness in him. There is not hiding, there is not covering up, there is no lie, there is no excuse. In him, everything is revealed as it actually is. God is light. So with that starting to, to process, you can go to the gospel of John 
in chapter three, and you start to see, okay, that might be what John is actually talking about here. So the gospel of John, he uses this imagery again. Verse 19, he says, in chapter three, verse 19, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light so that his deeds will not be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds will be revealed as having been performed in God. Light is revealing. Light is exposing. God is light, okay? Now evil is mentioned, we're not, but we're not, remember we're not talking about good and evil. Evil is mentioned, but it's talking about deeds that were evil trying to be done in the darkness, in hiding, okay? Covering it up. So the darkness can't be evil. The deeds are evil, but the darkness is the hiding and the covering up. It holds up this idea of light being revealing versus hiding in the darkness. But God is light. There is nothing hidden in him. So with that understanding, that's how we're gonna understand light and dark in this passage, that light is, is revealing. You can't hide in the light, okay? There is nothing covered up, there's nothing hidden. So as we go back to the scripture in 1 John, I know it's a lot, go with me. 1 John chapter, chapter one, verse five, he says this, this is the message. With that understanding of light and dark, this is the message. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have fellowship with God, the light, and yet we walk in the darkness, we don't practice the truth. That's what John says. If we say we have fellowship with God, who is light, but we walk in darkness, in hiding, in concealing, in, con in covering up, in not the truth, twisting reality, then we're lying and we're not practicing the truth, okay? We're not practicing the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say we have fellowship with him, but we're hiding, we're not having fellowship with him. If we say we have fellowship with him, but we're walking in a manner where I'm trying to walk in darkness because why? Usually because we're ashamed or we're afraid, right? And if we're walking in that way, that's not fellowship. That's not fellowship with God. We're not practicing the truth. I don't have fellowship with God if I'm hiding from him, see? And that phrase that, that John uses that, again, that it's another one of those things that you see. Okay, he says it in the gospel, John. He says it again in, in uh, 1 John and it's verse 21. But the one who practices the truth, the one who practices the truth comes to light so that his deeds will be revealed as having been performed in God. So practicing the truth, the Greek word for practice means to do. So doing the truth means coming to the light, right? Walking in the light, having our deeds revealed as having been done in God. What deeds? All our deeds. Good deeds, bad deeds, mediocre deeds. All of our deeds having been performed 
in the light, God knows it. It's exposed, it's revealed. There's no hiding in that. Practicing the truth is recognizing God knows it. There is no hiding in that, okay? That's understanding that, that there is nothing that is hidden. There is, that's practicing the truth, okay? Recognizing in relationship with God that there is nothing hidden. You can't hide, okay? Now take that back to 1 John. If we say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in the darkness, we're not practicing the truth. So I believe what John is saying is that in order to have fellowship, because remember, that's the point of this, in order to have fellowship with God, you have to walk in the light. What's fellowship? Well, it's kind of a churchy word, but it's like to commune, right? To be with, to spend time with. And when you think of fellowship, think of a fellowship dinner at church. What are you doing? You're hanging out, but for the purpose of being with one another and enjoying one another. That sounds an awful lot like relationship, doesn't it? And a good relationship, not a bad relationship, a good relationship where you get to enjoy the relationship. That's what we're talking about. In order to have a relationship with God that you enjoy, you can't walk in hiding. You can't walk in shame, okay? He sees it all. If we're gonna enjoy relationship with God, you've got to drop the shame. If you're gonna enjoy your relationship with God, you have to drop the shame. That's what John is saying. To have fellowship, to enjoy relationship with God, you've gotta understand there's nothing hidden in him anyway, right? There's nothing hidden in him anyway. He sees it all and he's not running away. He's not looking at you with shame. He sees it all. There's nothing hidden. He's not shaking his head at you. This is the message that John is bringing to the church. That if you want to actually have a relationship with God, fellowship with God, if you actually want to have fellowship with God, you got to stop hiding from him. You got to stop. You got to stop being ashamed in front of him. You got to stop hanging your head. He's standing there. I, all I can picture is a little kid one of my children in particular, when I talk with them, when they know they've done something that they shouldn't have done, they come and they do this, right? Head down. They don't, don't wanna meet your eye. And I think God is looking at us and he's going, pulling that chin up. And he's like, look, meet my eye, meet my eye. I love you. I am not ashamed of you. There is no shame in this relationship. I know exactly what you did. Doesn't matter, I love you. I love you. He's trying to lift your chin and tell you, in the, looking you in the eyes, telling you that in spite of all that stuff that, does, that can't remain hidden, he is desperately in love with you. If you want to enjoy that, you've got to drop the shame. You've got to drop the shame. And then John takes this truth he does a little bit of a reversal on us because he's talking about fellowship with God. He's talking about this relationship with God, enjoying this relationship with God. But then in verse seven, he says, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Not God, with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He starts out this letter by saying, listen, I'm writing you so you can have fellowship with us and with God as we have fellowship 
with God. He's back to that, okay? He's back to that. And he says, if, if you say you have fellowship with God, but you're walking and hiding, you aren't living the truth, that everything that you've done is already exposed to God. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, as Jesus stands in the light in the presence of his father, there is no shame there for him, right? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, Nothing hidden, no reason for shame, nothing to conceal. Not only can we experience and enjoy fellowship, relationship with God, all of a sudden we can actually experience relationship and enjoy fellowship with other people. And I'm talking real relationship. Not how's the weather, ah, look like it might rain today and that's the end of it, right? Not how you been, fine kind of relationship. I'm talking about real, genuine, unconditional. I see your dirty laundry. You see mine. There's no reason to try and fix one another in this. Grace for the messiest parts of life kind of fellowship and relationship. That's the kind of relationship that is possible, John is saying. It's possible when we walk in the light without hiding and without shame. This is the point of this letter. He says, this is, this is possible. This, and John is writing that I want you to have fellowship with God like we're enjoying fellowship with God. I want you to have that with us and I want you to have that with God. That it's actually possible if you walk in the light without shame, without hiding. He says, put away the masks, put them away, put them down. Some people might say, well, that sounds incredible. That sounds like something I'm after. And some people are like, yeah, no, thanks. I'm not putting down a mask, right? Because how is that possible? How can I live in relationship with God, let alone with other people without being ashamed of, well, you know, right? How is that possible? How is it possible? Well, John says in the next couple of lines in verse eight, in first John, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, you got sin, okay? You've got it, I've got it, we've all got it. Because if you say that you haven't, you're not, you're not fooling anybody, everybody knows it. Just yourself, right? If you say we, have not, we don't have sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here's how it's possible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. So how can it be possible to walk in the light as he is in the light? Walk in relationship with God and with other people without shame. <laughs> it says it's grace. That's it, right? That's, that's it. How is it possible Grace, if we confess our sins and he is faithful, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's grace. It's grace. That's the only way. Knowing, believing, understanding that he has cleansed you, made you righteous right now, not because of anything you have done or will do or didn't do and won't do. None of that. It's all grace but because of what he has done and will do, okay? That's grace. It's the only way to walk 
in light, in the light, fully revealed and not in darkness, not hiding, not covering up, not creating an alternate truth that, that we convince ourselves is real. It's the only way, understanding that he is faithful and righteous and your sins have been forgiven if you confess them. And I don't think that's a, uh, a confess like every night, go to bed and say, God, please forgive me for my sin. And oh yeah, if I didn't confess any, then I'm gonna list these as well or, or all of those unspoken sins that maybe I don't realize were sins, but you know were sins. God, please forgive me for those too. Listen, I don't think God is that petty that he would say, oh, forgot one, right? Gotcha. He's not that petty. He's not. You are forgiven. If you confess your sin, you have been forgiven. You're made righteous when you confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. He's faithful, he's righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And John goes on to say, you know what? If you're walking around saying you haven't sinned, then you make God to be a liar. God knows your deeds. There is no darkness in him. He is light. There is nothing hidden in him. You can walk in the light knowing that he has seen all those things and he's forgiven all those things, or you can walk in the darkness trying to continue hiding the fact that you do still have sin that you think others don't know about and, and so hiding in shame. Like those, those are the choices. That's what John is saying. But if you walk in the darkness in hiding, and in that shame, you will not experience the fullness of the relationship that God has for you. And you won't ever be able to experience real genuine relationships with other people because you don't ever let anybody in because you're ashamed. That's what John is saying. When you understand that your sin has been forgiven, that's how it's possible you've asked, it's been forgiven, then you can walk in the light, unashamed of anything, to God, to anyone. That's what he's saying. Now, church, listen. <laughs> this walking in the light, it can be pretty daggum messy, right? Because everything is exposed. Have you ever walked into a dark room, lights out, and somebody turns on a black light and you look down at your shirt and go, huh, wonder when that stain got there, right? It's a white shirt, big old brown coffee stain you thought you got out. Nope, it's still there, right? It can be embarrassing. Or you go, oh, didn't know I had that dandruff on me, right? Walking in the light with things exposed can be embarrassing. There is no doubt with that. Walking in the light can be not so pretty, especially compared to the well-manicured, hidden nature of religion and darkness, right? It can look real messy. And a church, a fellowship of believers walking in the light together, that's not a suit and tie Sunday morning kind of a group. That's a somebody barely got themselves out of bed because the hangover is still pretty strong from last night kind of a group, right? That's people who don't have it all together, but know, understand, they don't have to walk in shame anymore. 
It's a place of belief that God's got all of eternity to do, to do the fixing in us and wants a relationship and a fellowship with us before it's fixed. Imagine that. In religious terms, that's a recipe for a mess. That's a recipe for a mess. But in relationship terms, that's a mess, recipe for freedom. And I'm gonna be honest, you're either gonna, you're gonna get it and you're gonna walk in the light with that group or you're not. You can either handle it or you can't, okay? Because hiding in the darkness while everybody else is walking in the light and you're saying you're walking in the light, but you're still hiding in darkness, man, that's uncomfortable. That's still an opportunity where you're probably gonna be doing a lot of head shaking, probably gonna be doing a lot of, well, I don't know, right? When we're looking at other people. All the while wishing that you could step out of your shame, out of the shame of your sin and into the light. I understand that that's not a place that everybody can be, but it's the kind of place that I want to be. It's the kind of place I want this to be. God is light the light of mankind came. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The darkness, it, when things are covered and things are hiding, you can't get it. You can't, you just, you just don't understand it. And I'm, I was thinking about Jesus and when Jesus came and Jesus walked, when did Jesus ever look at anyone with shame? When did he ever say, get away from me? When did he ever operate in a way that made people feel like they needed to hide? He walked right up and he embraced the people that should have been avoided. That's the place that I wanna be. That's not the cleanest. That's not the most spiritually uh, sterile environment. But I believe that's a place where people who need the grace of Jesus Christ can actually come and experience it and be welcomed. The people that Jesus got upset with were the religious pretenders, the walking in the darkness. Those are the people he got upset with. Those are the people he kicked out of the temple and said, come on, everybody else, come on in. I have a new slogan for our church. And eventually I wanted to go out on that front window. We're gonna figure out a way to do it out there. It'll say something like this. I haven't worked it out totally, all right? But here it goes like this. Capital Vineyard Community Church, a place for the beat up, the rundown, the burnout, and the didn't fit in. Those are the people who need grace. There's lots of churches out there for people who don't fit into those categories, okay, that we just listed. We don't need another one of those churches. Well, maybe we do, right? But we need a place where the outcasts and the left outs and the misfits and the burnouts and the rejected can find Jesus. That's what I want to be, be, and that's what I believe we are. John wraps up this letter, or this section, sorry, this section, with these words. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole 
world. John kind of clarifies things. He's like, listen, this is not an invitation for sin, okay? He clarifies that. I'm not writing these things so you sin. I'm writing these things so you may not sin. So just in case I'm misunderstood, I'm not saying these things so that you are welcome to sin and flaunt it and say, well, grace has me covered. I'm good. Do a little hair toss as you walk on, right? (laughs) I'm good. Grace has me covered. I'm good. I'm saying these things so that you don't sin. I'm saying these things because you are free from sin. I'm saying these things so you might understand the extent of God's desire to have relationship and fellowship with you. Genuine relationship where there is no hiding and there are no masks and there is no pretending. Genuine relationship that God loves me so much, wants a relationship with me so much that he was willing to die to take away the shame of my sin. Why would I then, understanding that and embracing that, want to increase what he died for? Do you see? He's inviting you into that relationship, genuine relationship with the God of the universe where he has given me a new heart. Why would I want and why would I desire more excuses to go sin more? He died for this relationship. John says, just so you know, I'm writing this so you don't sin. But when you do sin, because you will, we have somebody, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who has paid for it already. Don't run from him. Run to him and rest in him. So dear John, there it is, dear John. That's the name of this series, dear John. Do you know what a dear John letter is? Do you know what a dear John? So dear John, it might sound like a a little bit of a weird kind of name for it because really this is a letter from John, not to John. So why would we name it dear John? Well, a dear John letter is a very specific thing. You, You might know what it is. A dear John letter kind of got its name in World War II with soldiers who would receive a letter when they were at war. It's a pretty heartbreaking thing because a Dear John letter is a breakup letter. It's a letter from a loved one at home who says, I met somebody else. I don't know how long you're gonna be. I can't wait, I'm moving on, okay? That's what a Dear John letter is. It's pretty heart-wrenching for that soldier because most letters... And they call it Dear John because most letters would start out with my dearest John, my dearest Johnny, my darling, right? But when you got a Dear John, it's like, uh uh-oh, what's gonna come after this? But this series as Dear John, I'm looking at 1 John and it's a letter and I'm thinking, this is a Dear John letter. This is a Dear John letter. We are saying goodbye to pretense, We are saying goodbye to masks. We are moving on from hiding. We are saying, so long, shame. I met somebody else. His name is Jesus, right? We're moving on. We're moving on from that. This is a Dear John letter to walking in darkness 
recognizing that what we want is a relationship, a good relationship, fellowship with the Father and with one another. And as long as we're hiding in that darkness and that shame, that's not something that we'll be able to experience. So, so long to hiding, so long pretending, okay? And I think through the rest of this letter, you're gonna find as we go through the rest of this letter, John sets the tone and he says, this is what this letter is. And then you go through the rest of this letter and it's like, okay, that can be messy. Here's some clues, here's some hints on how to navigate that, okay? That's what the rest of this letter is. I'm writing, so you might have fellowship with God, you might have fellowship with one another. And here's how to navigate that without shame, without pretending, without masks. So as we go through the rest of this letter, we're gonna come back to this idea of light and dark and walking free of shame and all of that because it, it, you can't look at the rest of the letter without understanding that because when you look at the rest of the letter, understanding that all of a sudden it becomes this light and dark, evil and good. And we gotta, we gotta flee from the evil and all that's great. I mean, I, I'm not saying we don't flee from evil, but you don't understand, like, like it, it changes the context of what is written in 1 John if you don't first understand that it is a letter about genuine fellowship with one another without shame and without hiding. It changes the context. So as we go through the rest of this letter, I'm excited to see where that brings us. Because honestly, I haven't looked beyond chapter two, verses two, verse two. No, it's not true. I have read it, but in detail, like we just did, I haven't done that yet. And I'm excited about where that goes. Cause I believe that's what this letter is about. And John's got that laid out for some people as they try and explore, man, how do we live in relationship without fear? How do we live in relationship with people that are like messy and sinful? How do we do that? And I think that's what the rest of this letter is like. So I'm excited about that. Why don't y'all come on back up to your feet? We're gonna worship this God that has made all of this possible and uh, we're gonna recognize his goodness to us. And let's just pray one more time. Father, we just, I just thank you for this truth that you have freed us from shame, that there is no reason to hide anymore in relationship with you, God. We recognize it is not an invitation to sin. It is not an invitation to flaunt our sin. It is an invitation to genuine relationship whereby you have made it possible that we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to be ashamed and we can live genuinely with you because you're lifting our chin, you're meeting our eyes and you're saying, I love you desperately. And we're thanking you for that. Lord Jesus, we just give you the praise. Amen.